your spot, put it in park. Here we go. What is going on, everybody? Deaver here alongside my co-host, Bush. Daves, what's up, brother? We got a uh, we got an unlikely third in the pod here with us tonight. Uh, you know, why don't you let him know who we're with? Yeah, not the producer Jimbo, but we have FPP Hammonds. Behan, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on is Baby Yoda remains the cutest little thing on the internet. Uh, you're still you're still talking about this little thing, man. I'm back on the gritty train. I'm back on gritty's number one on the internet on that train, man. Stop! You don't say that when I send you every baby Yoda meme there is to exist. You yeah, like every single right. one. You double right. tap every yeah. Instagram DM I send you of Yoda. Hey, I'm a loyal man. I'm a loyal man. Gritty's got yeah. my heart. He uh, he was there first. You gotta you gotta give credit where credit's due. But uh, but gritty's still number one. Well, you're on your own on that train, brother. Yoda yeah. is the cutest on the internet at the moment, but uh, just when he drinks his little soupy, <laughs> he's just woke up. That's the new Kermit the Frog meme. That's the new Kermit like sipping the tea. Anyway, boys, what's going on in the world of sports? I see Ham sporting the uh, the keep pounding gear. Uh, B Ham, let's throw it down to uh, to the Bank of America Stadium, dude. Big shakeup happening over the past week. So a shock to me. I don't know if it's a shock to you. The firing of head coach Ron Rivera. I'm gonna I'm gonna send it right to you. Definitely the timing was a shock. Allegedly he was gonna get fired at the end of the season. Anyway, he was even shocked that he was fired with four weeks left in the season. But uh Allegedly. Allegedly. But uh Air quotes. A lot of good, a lot of bad from this, but for um, almost the last 10 years of my life, he's been the head coach of my favorite football team, and it's, it's tough to see a guy like that go, but apparently we, we're in rebuild mode, according to Ron and our new owner. Um, so I don't know if they're going to blow things up. I don't know if this means Cam is getting sent somewhere. I'm just kind of in a low spot right now because we stink as well as our head coach getting fired. So, uh, <laughs> not a lot of good. Sounds like the morale is low. The morale is very low. We're going to keep pounding, but the morale is so low. I like to think there's a lot of good, but at the moment there's not a lot of good to talk about. So We're going to we're going to keep pounding and screaming our fists into a pillow. <laughs> but we're going to well, we're going to keep pounding nonetheless. Yeah. Pounding somehow. Screaming. Yeah. That's all I'm doing. Yeah, so I wasn't sure if there was a rift between, you know, the head coach and, and the front office staff in terms of how Cam was handled or in terms of their, I guess, mentality of if it actually was a rebuild or if the team was ready to win now. Um, it, it seems like Rivera also thought it was a rebuild as well as the owner, so it really couldn't be that. It's just a shame to see a team with um, – I mean, all teams are talented. All teams have great players, but when you have a potential MVP candidate – in McCaffrey in the backfield and, you know, a franchise in disarray. Yeah, and to have a player like that and for them to say we're in rebuild mode, I kind of feel bad for McCaffrey because I don't want him to be running to the ground, you know? Well, it's the lifespan of a running back. Not very long. Four, how, long does it take to, how long does it take to rebuild an NFL franchise? Yeah, I mean, four, four to five, five seasons, seasons, I think, is what a running back lasts. Yeah, I mean, a good one, 
at yeah that. at their peak um, yeah but so, um him where's he gonna go who's that Riverski's. yeah I would love to see Riverboat with Dallas. I want to see him on. No. I want to see him take that defense. But you said that. You said people. that to get to get us riled up, and of I know you I said did. it for that reason. Of course I did, baby. Let's play. Oh my god, you're <laughs> out of, you're out of <laughs> your <laughs> mind. All right, put up Jim. Put a put no. a far horn over that. Do you um, think he, I, I am. Do you think Ham, do you think he's going as as the head coach when Garrett's out like after this week after they lose <laughs> to Chicago tonight? <laughs> Dude, could, could Rivera end the season in Dallas like this season? <laughs> I would just love to see him take over that defense because they have really good defensive players. But uh, other than that, I mean, maybe Chicago or L.A. Chargers. Both of those teams, he has ties there. But uh, I want to see I him the Eagles twice a year. I would hop on that bandwagon. I mean, I, not that I like, you know, root, I actually, I don't know. I kind of like Riverboat. Uh, dude, that would be interesting. How would he handle Jerry Jones or how would Jerry Jones handle him? Good if we just want to keep playing out this hypothetical. I don't know. Uh, Garrett I seems Jerry like Jones a bug that he could, Garrett seems like a bug that J- Jones could squash and kind of own. But Rivera seems like he's got some, not ego, but like, more presence behind him than Jason Garrett, who seems like a wet noodle on the, on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, he's old-fashioned. The Bears old-fashioned. Just, yeah. Bush, what are you looking at? I'm looking straight at you, is who I'm Go looking ahead. at. Yeah, Go dude, ahead. what the hell are you talking? You're talking good about the Cowboys right now. Are you I'm out of your mind? I'm, not, I'm talking that I want to see Ron Rivera coach this team. No, no, you don't want a good coach going to the boys, dude. No, no. I appreciate Rivera's a good coach, though, Bush. Appreciate that. I miss him. I miss him dearly. <laughs> Every hour. You know what? Every you know what really bothers me? You know what really bothers me, you two? I'll tell you what bothers me right now is the fact that Rivera walks around, you know, he his family was always at the facility. He's got this moral high code. You got fired, dude. You got fired because you weren't coaching a good team. Like, go ahead, keep your high standards, keep your moral, high moral compass, whatever you want to call it, dude. You got fired. Like, go take your moral yeah. compass somewhere else. You, your moral compass, get go somewhere else. We lost three games at home this year to teams with losing records. So uh, our record this year at home wasn't very good. But, uh, yeah, you have a point. I mean, he was fired for a reason. So, I mean, he he might have been a good coach in the past, but as of right now, He's unemployed. Do you throw him in the same boat as Andy Reid? That sounds a lot like Andy Reid. Yeah, I think you're right, It it sounds a lot like him. Coached some good teams in the past, won a lot of division titles, went to a Super Bowl, didn't get the job done. Yeah. Coached some bad teams, too. Exactly. And and maybe the transition to – the NFC East might be the play for River. It might. It might be the play. No, I. In all honesty, Justin, I'm analyzing the NFL right now. I'm analyzing Dallas Cowboys as, as a, dude. They're a good football team. They have one of the what was Hammond. So you can give me the exact stat, but on offense, their wide receiver, running back, quarterback, left tackle, left guard, center are the number one, two, three, or four like. Overall, in their, they're all top five players at their position on offense. All of them. Yeah, I got Tavon Smith and left tackle. Yes. Come on, Amari Cooper. Come on, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott. Yeah, and they're linebackers. How is the team too. six and six and losing to the Chicago Bears right now? Yep. 
they, have, they still have one of the best offensive lines in the league. And yeah. Deaver, you sound like me defending my fantasy football team right now. We've honestly switched complete roles in this in this argument because you're over here saying, you know, they have this, they have that, they have they have these numbers, they have these stats. Yeah, but, yeah, but Justin, no, here's, here, uh, Justin but here's the what's difference. their record? What's their record? Justin, here's the difference. He's actually coaching that team. You're not coaching your fantasy football team. Just because he has names on the field, if you don't have a good coach, doesn't mean they win games. Just because you're coaching your fantasy football team, it's apples and oranges there, brother. Dude, listen, what you're saying is they have good people, they have all these different stats, they have all these different records, but their record is trash and they're losing to a crappy Bears team. Like, I don't know, I don't know really what your argument is. Like, yeah, they have good people, but they're still losing. Maybe Maybe these players are just everyone thinks. Oh come on! I mean, now I, I'm not on the I'm not on the DAC train. I'm not on the DAC train. I'll go I'll go down saying that. But even if you're not saying Zeke's the best running back in the league, he's a top five running back in the league. If you're not saying Amari Cooper's the best wide receiver in the league, he's a top five wide receiver in the league. Top ten. True. Excuse right? me. I have to, I have to just, make a phone call. Give me one second. I have to make a phone call to somebody. Can I finish my thought? No. No, you can't, honestly. And what I'm saying is and what I'm saying is where there's talent on your fantasy football team and, and you have a bad record, the talent on the Dallas Cowboys, the, the problem is the systems and the motivation and just the team aspect in general from the coaching staff downward that is making this team not a good team. You Ooh, know who I'm calling you know who I'm calling right now? Better not be calling him. You know who I'm calling. You're calling. Who am I calling? I want to go to another Eagles game. Don't tell Bryce. I knew it. I knew it, dude. <laughs> That's exactly who I'm calling. And you're lucky he's not answering. You're, you're lucky he didn't stick up. You're not listening to what I'm saying, though. That's the problem. You're defending the Dallas Cowboys, and, and that's all I need to hear. We're also a national, supposed to be unbiased sports podcast. I also like Lamar Jackson, who's on my true NFL team's division rival. If they're not on the Eagles roster, I don't ever want to talk about them. They're irrelevant to me. Then go on WIP. They're dead. 97.5 The Fanatic. They're dead. They're don't dead. ever forget it. No free ads. All right, Andrew. No free ads. Love that. All right, Lamar. so we're both, to, we're both to the Cowboys. That's it. Lamar, no-brainer MVP, absolutely. Yes, agreed. Uh, let's, agreed. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, the uh, AFC and NFC Offensive and Defensive Players of the Month were named just the other day, and that was probably my favorite post on Instagram that day when I saw two of my boys on that post, Lamar Jackson, AFC Offensive Player of the Month, and TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Month for the AFC. Well-deserved. those guys on fire. Well-deserved. Oh, yeah. About getting in the playoffs here soon, boys. Hope you guys are – hope you guys have made the playoffs in your fantasy leagues because if not – You'll be sitting for a couple weeks waiting for the real playoffs to start. Don't worry. Don't worry. I have a, a bye week. First overall seed. It's, it's really not a big deal. No big deal. Dude, D- uh, Deaver got the bye in the fantasy week uh, for the for the first playoff round. I made the playoffs by the skin of my teeth, dude. By the skin How'd you of make my it? I thought teeth. I, had, I thought I had to lose that week for you to make it. So, it well, there was a bunch of scenarios. You know how all those playoff scenarios yeah, work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So the scenario that actually played out for me was the two teams below me wound up losing. 
Um, so the seventh, the seventh and eighth team, Bryce and uh, No Brainer, they both lost, no. and, and I lost, but I wound up scoring a good amount of points to keep me you above No Brainer wagers. Lost too, I because I beat you, right? Of course. Yeah. For the third time, you went zero and three against me this season. I did zero and three. I did. Yeah, it's a shame. It really is. You know, it's a bad it's fantasy year, and it it happens. It happens. But so next he, year, I'm coming out guns blazing. You had, uh, you had four bye weeks this year. I had four. Yeah. The, four. Yes. This bye week. This week. Last week when I played Bush, and then the other previous two weeks when I played Bush. I if you didn't know, my team name is Bye Week versus Bush. Yes. Perfect. Worked out. Yeah, it's yeah, it's you know, it's, it's it's what happens. You know what I've learned this this year, boys, is that uh, I'm going to let my next draft be completely auto drafted uh, because Piper is the second best team in our league, and his team was completely auto drafted. So um, I'm gonna skip the draft. I'm gonna schedule the draft. I'm going to make sure everybody's there, and I'm going to shut my laptop and run and wait for like an hour to see how good my team will be after that. So we'll see what happens so, there. So I think that. Admitting that's more so you admitting you're a bad drafter because I attended the draft like everybody else. I left the draft with the best overall draft grade, and I am the first overall seed in the playoffs. No, no, that no, you you're you're completely right. Um, bad let's not forget. Let's not forget. I'm not a bad drafter. I did get the second best draft after you. Um, I unfortunately. My team didn't pan out. Juju Smith-Schuster, terrible fantasy year. Um, he was he was one of the top fives. Um, I had Todd Gurley, who is a bust, um, which was a shame. Uh, I, you know, I had a few other guys too that I thought would pan out that didn't. So I got pretty unlucky. But hey, I'm in the playoffs, skin of my teeth. I got Nader this week. Uh, Amari Cooper, I think he's got like two points. So I'm already putting up a really <laughs> fight in the first round of playoffs. <laughs> Uh, enjoy the off season. So listeners, we have an amazing guest on, I think, you know, every episode we say we have the next biggest guest that we have, but they're all, they're all the biggest in their own category. This is the biggest guest we have ever had on this podcast. I am so thrilled for this interview. I'm going to cut you off right now. A hall of fame guest. Every, Every single night. This guy's on my television every single night. On the NHL NBC broadcast, later on the podcast, we are having Keith Jones on. Yeah, this was uh, this was an absolute awesome interview. Um, you know, it was we went through local ties in the community to get him on. Uh, you know, he's just a local guy who works in Philly, works on national television every night. Um, Deaver, you were absolutely ecstatic for this one, man. There was just no ecstatic. there was no hiding your excitement. It was a guy that was, you know, for me, being able to watch him for the first couple of years growing up uh, as a Philadelphia Flyer and then seeing his transition into broadcasting, it was just awesome to pick his brain. Kind of, you know, a local uh, idol of mine, right? The guy speaks wonderfully on television, awesome insight and content into the game. He brings some uh, some humor into his, uh, his broadcasting. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to go into it any further. Uh, Jonesy was driving up to uh, to catch an NHL game, um, so we had some service issues. But uh, the content is there. Bear with it; you're gonna love it. All right. So transitioning a little bit from uh, you know NHL and heading over into its uh, you know competitor in the winter season here, the NBA. Um, you know the Rockets 
are recently filing a protest over officials not counting James Harden's dunk in a loss to the Spurs that recently happened. Ham, you know, this is also something I was talking with Bryce about last weekend here, but for as much as you don't like the NBA, I've never seen anybody create more content about the NBA. So let's hear what you have to say about it here. All right, so here's the thing just to break it down for everyone. I, I don't hate the NBA. I am extremely mad at the NBA, and I'll tell you why. So growing up, I was a Vince Carter fan. I, I was a Nets fan, and then he switched teams. He played for the Orlando Magic. Then I became a Magic fan. Uh, they went to the finals. They blew it. But then Vince Carter started jumping around from team to team in the NBA, and I, me trying to be a loyal fan, I couldn't decide whether to have a favorite team or stick with Carter. So long story short, when it, become, when it comes to being a loyal fan in the NBA, it's very hard to do so. I mean, Sixers fans are a little spoiled right now because they have Timmons and Bede. Those Neither of those guys are going anywhere. But other teams, they're superstars. You don't know whether they're going to stick around. You don't know if they're going to go to a different team. So it's, it's kind of hard from a fan's perspective to like or have a favorite team in the NBA, you know? Yeah, pardon my French, but you know, uh, what what rapper? I forget what rapper. You guys, these hoes ain't loyal. Yeah, these ho- these hoes ain't loyal. They're they're not loyal. So why would I? You know, w- w- even though these guys aren't from Philadelphia, they aren't from Sacramento, they aren't from Portland, they aren't from Oklahoma City. When they don your jersey, they're supposed to be, right? Right. They're not. They're a- they're athletes from Florida or, or wherever they're from. They're but for that moment, for that moment of time, they're supposed to be. And for to have guys that aren't invested like you are as a fan, how can you be a fan of that of that team? I mean, I know it's a business, but like the take a look at the current roster of the Philadelphia Flyers. Switching sports, Claude Drew, Jake Voracek, you know. Um, the core that they have has been there for, for quite some time. It, it's not their say. It's the team's say whether they want to keep or move those players. I, I'm sorry I'm switching to, to NHL, but like when Wayne Simmons' time was up, when we saw an opportunity to trade Braden Shen, we did that. Where the NBA, I feel like the players have too much say. They have too much say. And it's not the team's decision to, to trade, acquire, move up. You know, get game better assets from these players. It's the players say of you know they want to make a super team or or they don't like the the cold weather in Minnesota or whatnot. And uh, yeah, how can you get devoted but to you know to the color of the jersey when really it's just the athletes running the show? It's a bunch of stars, not a bunch of teams. And a prime example, a prime example of what you just said reminds me of a video I saw of LeBron James uh, recently. He. You know, the buzzer beater rings. It was, I think it was the end of the second quarter, so it was going into halftime. And he, he calls the team to him. The coach is already walking to the locker room. He calls the team to him. He yells at some guy for not, you know, doing something the right way. Breaks the huddle, and then they run to the locker room. Like, the guy runs the show there. It's not the coach. It's LeBron James. And what he wants, the team does. Not what the coach or the GM wants. And let's go ahead and talk about LeBron, who, you know, we've talked several times about on this podcast of how, you know, we think he's the GOAT or we want to root for him to be the GOAT. 
The guy was from Akron, Ohio. He played for the only basketball team in the state of Ohio and left for the Miami Heat to join a super team in one of the most luxurious cities in America to Mm -hmm. win a championship. Left the city behind, came back and won a championship there to then leave again and go to another glitz and glam, warm weather, let's build a super team team. Twice. He did it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. super team stuff is getting old. The super team stuff in the NBA is getting old because none of the other sports really caught on to that. Um, even like you, everyone was thinking the NFL was about to switch over to like this whole super team thing, and the league was like, uh, "Yeah, we're not going to let that happen." Like Ramsey wanted to go to the best team he possibly could, and then he went to a a spiraling Rams team, and like they're they're not really in in the hunt anymore. Like they're 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 an okay team. They're like the Eagles. Like they're they were good, and now they're like, what the heck is going on? I, and the, the physicality when it comes to football, uh, tanking can't be more than a season or two because owners, coaches, GMs, they see the wear and tear on their players and they just won't allow it. Yeah, right. I don't think tanking works and I don't think super teams work in the NFL either because I think there's so many players on the field too, right? Like there's so many athletes out there where, you know, the NBA, you can run with three superstars and, t- you know, two chumps on the court. And you're going to win games to have two superstars on an NFL offense and an abysmal offensive line, you know, a stud wide receiver and a stud running back or a stud quarterback and running back, whatever the combination may be. The holes get spotted a lot easier when you're going up against other NFL for other, other NFL teams. So I think it's another reason why it doesn't work in the uh, in the NFL. And Bush, this also goes to answer your question. Steve's you just saying that kind of emphasizes the 82 games that there are in an NBA season, that that's just too many. It's, it's way too many. I think it's another issue with the NBA that I think should be resolved because, most importantly, you don't need to watch an NBA game right now until the fourth quarter, and all these games in the beginning of the season don't really matter. I follow. I'm just mad at the NBA. And I Why should we care? Why should we care in the first, second, or third quarter or in the first half of the season, when the players don't even care in the first, second, or third quarter, or in the first half of the season. Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. So I want to run it back here real quick and, and give the listeners some backside info of what happened with this Harden thing and why we came up with this NBA talk in the first place. So in the Spurs game, um, Harden goes up, and he's all alone, slams the ball through the net. It was The dunk was so hard that when it went through, it looped back up around through the net. So the ball went in, came back out, it hit the backboard, looked like it was going to dribble in again and fell out, and they did not count it. At the end of the day, that ball went through the hoop and came back up around. It almost looked like it was going to go in again as if he was going to get four points on one play. And now that's obviously not the rules. That wouldn't have happened. But that's what it looked like was going to happen. Regardless, the ball went through the hoop, and he did not get the points. That's that's abysmal refereeing, dude. That's abysmal refereeing. That's like that's I I'm trying to relate it to something. A field goal hitting the post and going in, and the ref saying that doesn't count. Um, and they lost by two. Yes. Yes. No, the they didn't. No, they didn't. Yes. I didn't. That's that. why it's a stink. Hey, guess what, guys? I'm gonna come in hot here, and actually, it's my true opinion. I'm not just stirring the pot. That's not a point. That's not a basket. Why? 
That's like the football not crossing the goal line, or that's like the puck in hockey with half of it in the net and half of it still on the red line. Like it didn't go through. I mean, if that's if that's the definition, if you go into the rule book of basketball, I don't know what it is. But if the refs know the definition, if somebody could pull up that article for me, does the ball have to clear the net or the rim? And if it has to clear the, the net, it didn't clear the net. It stayed in contact with the net the entire time. I so here's you my, see what here's, I'm saying? When does it become a point? When the ball leaves the rim or when the ball leaves the net? The ball left the net. The ball went through, left the net, and shot back up. Yeah, it, it went like this. It went in, shot back out, and then came and hit the backboard. So it had to have left the net at some point if it went up and hit the backboard again. Oh, I thought the ball was in the net, wrapped back around, and then went back up through. No, 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 no. no. Oh, oh. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh. That's fine. I, you probably, yeah, no, that's fine. I, I saw just, it quick. I, know I saw it quick. Scrolling. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, no, no you're, so the ball went in. How? First off, how? Here, I'll show you the video. Send me really one more time. Quick. Yes, yeah, yeah, I'll show you the video so you can see it. So you can see it. So you know what you're, what you're saying here. Oh, God. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> That's a that's a dunk. That's a point. That's a point nine times out of ten times out of ten. Yeah, just the way it. That's a basket, dude. Very like, strange. Why is why was that even a question? Like that's that was a basket. A, that's a slam dunk basket. Well, I, that's, that's two points. Bas- okay, I thought it came back up. Basketball. I thought it came back up through the rim. No, that's a basket. Like that's a that's an that's an everyday slam dunk Wait, that just but they can review all kinds up. of plays. Why why can they review that? The, what did they say? It was too late or something. So so here's what happened. The refs made the call, and obviously when they make a call, they got to stick with what they what they called unless there's a challenge. And the Rockets failed to make a challenge within the allotted amount of time that they have to make a challenge on a certain play. So because of that. That when the Rockets were like, all right, like we're, we want to challenge this, the refs were like, you have surpassed your amount of time. You are allowed to challenge this play. The call is locked in, and you do not get the points. You guys lose by two. Um, and this is why um, the Rockets are appealing this, and they're creating a whole case about it, um, is because, one, they want to extend the amount of time that you're allowed to challenge plays, um, and two, they want, to, uh, <laughs> they want these refs to be um, – I'm trying to think of the correct word here. They want the refs to be accountable for the call that they made that defined a game. Now, like you said, like you boys said, could it have been an irrelevant game? Yeah, but they made a call that made the Rockets lose a game. So who knows? I think that's the craziest part. The fact that they, they went to overtime and lost by two points, which what that dunk would have counted for. And dude, ham thieves. You saw the video. That's a slam. Yeah, it's a point. That's That's a point. That's a textbook two points. To then go back on my comparisons of, to hockey, that's like the puck hitting the back of the net and snapping back out so quick. Correct. That it can't be seen, but it's a goal. Yeah. Right. Football, when the ball is kicked and it hits the back post and a field goal then comes out. Right. Right. Same thing. I mean, like it was, it was in there. Right. It was in. It was in. So, all right. So, listeners, you can take uh, you can take what we've said and uh, do whatever you want with it. But I mean, that's two two, two 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 stupid NBA things happened on Twitter this week because uh, that's the only re- way I 
consume NBA content through social media is one, the James Harden play two, LeBron. Again, we're talking about him the other night, carrying the ball up mid court, passes mid court, palms the ball, takes three giant steps and then continues to dribble again before he passes it off to a teammate. I mean, sick league guys, not to take away from the spit and chicklets boys, but sick freaking league. What what is that call? I mean, that is the fundamentals of basketball. So not only am I knocking on LeBron, I'm knocking on the NBA officiating. I mean, dribble the ball. I know sometimes you make you know people make mistakes. Like I, I, you know, everybody gets called for a travel now and then. He was walking at a, at a walking pace and just picks up the basketball and continues to dribble. It, myself, if I did that, I would have caught myself after I did the, the double dribble and would have been like. <gasps> Oh shit! And went to hand the ball over to the other player. You know what I mean? That type of thing. How was that not caught? The ref was there, looking right at him. Yeah. Are you afraid to call the the? Yeah, the of course. Of course, the, the ref's afraid to call the travel. You, 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 we've all seen that Michael Jordan video where he, where the ref goes to make a call. And Michael's like, "Don't do that," and the ref's like, "Okay, you got it." <laughs> like, true, dude, true. these people, these people are terrified of the star players. Um, LeBron James actually said it was one of the worst things I've ever done. Yeah, <laughs> like that's but, uh, how my favorite was. part about it is, as soon as he travels, you can see everyone in the stands. They throw their arms up and do the traveling signal. Everyone does it in unison. The player that was guarding him, the player that was guarding him's reaction was the was the best of just like what freak out. (laughs) Freak the guy lost it. Totally blew his screw on that one. Kind of been known to travel on his double. He'll take like three and three to four steps and no one calls it. But this is more or less the most travel he's ever had. And it's not right, like close. even the, and, and the other guys, right? We we mess with like James Harden and the and, you know guys that do the Euro step or guys that do the step back jumper and they step once or twice. Like that's one where like it gets snuck in. This is just blatant disregard <laughs> on everybody's part. Like n- nobody was watching, but the guy that was guarding him and all the fans, I guess. Falling his <laughs> um, arm walking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was absurd. So, Dave, you actually brought something up that I want to briefly touch on here uh, in that last statement you had, the Euro step. Um, what is your take on that? I just want to know. I'm just curious. I have a take on it. I'm just curious you know, what yours is. All I can think right now is the TikTok of uh, Payphone where, you know, have you seen those TikToks? Have I you seen have the ones? Not, no. It's like, <sighs> it's. Yeah, yeah, like so. The, oh, the guys, yes, yes. the guys are all up, like getting ready to, like they're setting up a play, right? And there's, you know, they're pass, pass on a, you know, a basketball team, passes once, passes twice. The guy goes up to take a layup, and then the beat drops, and it's like I'm at a payphone giant. It's like <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Yeah. They just keep Euro stepping away. That's yeah. all I can picture right now when I think of Euro step. But uh, I don't know. It's truly legal, and these guys are huge, massive athletes that can. Do it from the foul line and make a layup. I mean, I think I hated on it when it first, you know, it first kind of started. But uh, legal tender in my book. So here you're you're about to find out my take on it. But when you go to take a a, a shot from anywhere on the court and both your feet leave the ground and you come back down and the ball doesn't leave your hands, that's a travel. That is a textbook travel. So, when a guy's driving the lane, jumps off two feet, lands on the two feet without leaving the ball, and then jumps back up to release the ball, 
it's a travel. You talk to all the, I mean, I talked to my dad about it. I talked to a lot of the old timer players that used to play, whatever that was. And And every single one of them is like, what's that? Yeah. They shot in the peach baskets. Yeah. Every single one of them is like these guys travel every single time they do that. And I agree. I I do. If you, if both feet leave, they touch the ground again and the ball never left your hands. That is a textbook travel. No, but they're not jumping off of two feet. They're jumping off of one. And I'm pretty sure a layup, you're allowed to take one of those steps. They're going. They're, they're, they're running. They're, they're going. That's a Euro step. A Euro step is run, 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 dribble, dribble, pick up, hop, go back up for the shot. A layup is run, 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 jump, leave the ball, come back down without the ball. No, but you're allowed to take that extra step on a layup. That's legal. Ham, are you researching this right now? Is that the typing I'm hearing? No. So I remember there was a video, I think it was summer of this year, where Giannis actually explains why his Euro step is not a travel. And he explains, um, he actually goes through and explains a rule that not a lot of people knew when it came to uh, traveling. And he explained it to like a, a team in Europe. I'm, I'm trying to research it right now. Real quick, while he's researching that bush, what's what's Giannis's last name? Uh, Giannis, Giannis, Quanta Bubu. That's his name. I, I don't know. No, Antikapopo. Antikwampo Bubu. I don't know. <laughs> Cowboys have lost to the Bears, thirty-one to twenty-four. The Eagles are back in contention yet again. For them to blow it against the New York Football Giants and Eli Football Manning. Ooh, ooh, this is what I wanted to talk about on the podcast. We'll, we'll pull up the Giannis stuff later, but let's go back to the NFL. Yep. We're jumping around everywhere. Did I text you this to you? Is there a possible way for no NFC East team to make it into the playoffs? Can that if they if they continue this this streak of losing to horrible teams, can can just none of them go? Let's be honest. I mean, even Eagles fans are fed up with it. If the Eagles lose to the Dolphins and the Giants and possibly the Redskins and or the Redskins here in the end of their season. And the Cowboys have lost to the Jets and the Bears. Should one of them truly win the division? So the Redskins can still win the NFC East, you know. They can. Dad, they can. The boys losing helps. Cowboys and Eagles both have to lose out. Redskins went out. NFC East champs. That, that is it? insane. Yeah. Dude, and we were just talking about, what, a couple weeks ago, the Redskins were the worst team in the league. Dude, that's that's to a put, crazy stat. To put to put them in the same echelon as the Eagles and the Cowboys just so it shows more on the Eagles and the Cowboys than it does the Redskins in my opinion. Not not putting them in the same on the same level, but just putting that they're in contention. The they have a chance. The level of disappointment by both the Eagles and the Cowboys. I mean, Justin, this is why you got to become a Steelers fan, man. It's awesome. So the first like three or four weeks of the season, I was heavy Eagles, bro, because the Steelers were doing bad. Now I'm all Steelers again. It's it's a really good feeling to be a Steelers fan because then when the Eagles make the playoffs, because they'll be fine, they're gonna make the playoffs. You got you got two horses in the race, bro. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't be a Steelers fan. I'm a Pigliots fan. You know that. True, you are a Pigliots fan. I'm a Pigliots fan, man. You know this. In, you know this. An an Eagriots fan. Yeah, yep. Pigliots, Eagriots, tomato, tomato. I like the Patriots. I like the Eagles. And and, and both teams are in playoff contention. So we'll see Correct. what happens here. Correct. One quarterback kisses his son. One quarterback didn't kiss until marriage. 
it's a great mix. It's a healthy mix. <laughs> it's what was that laugh? It's all about balance. Yeah, it's it's all about balance. The 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 Jedi must end, and that's that's what happened here. What was Bush. that laugh? Bush, yeah, so. Deaver, you sounded like you squealed. You good? I got I got squeezed. I was like a squeaky toy. Yeah, that was a. I think my dog just. Oh, here's my dog right here. She showed up. She heard you. Here she is. No, nah, she's not. She's not allowed in the basement. So. <laughs> uh, I'm just delirious, man. I think we're all exhausted. Yeah, we're, so, we're, we're terribly exhausted. Back to the NBA. Giannis says, you can step as many times within one dribble as you want. And it's not, it's not a travel. So there's a, there's a clip of him, and he's showing this to a European basketball team. He takes... A, a big dribble, but he takes two steps in between, and then he picks it back up. He says it's not a travel, technically, by NBA rules. As long as the ball is in motion of a dribble, you're saying? Correct. Yes. Oh, so you can, like, dribble and dance, like do a salsa, so but you're still why, dribbling. That's why sometimes, like, when you see guys, like, they gather steps, it's, yeah. like, it's so many quick steps, but it's all within one dribble. Technically, that's not a travel, but... We are so used to the the two step on the third step. It's a trap, you know. So, Ham, something that you just said: if as long as you're in the dribbling motion, you can take as many steps in between. Yes. What about a euro step when they pick the ball up? Is a dribbling motion when they when they pick it up, they jump, they stop, and then they go up for the shot. I don't see a dribbling motion in the euro step, other than when they pick the ball up the first time jump and then go off for the layup so that has to be within the first step when they pick the ball up within the first step that they take technically the step after that one that would be their first step i i can picture what you just said in my head and Does that makes sense yes it does and if that's in the rule book then it's in the rule book but you know but, this, but, is also, you know, this is like okay. us just trying to decipher like a foreign language or something. But yeah. what you we have no about, idea what we're talking about here. Both steps being off the ground. I don't know about that because in these videos, according to Giannis's tutorials, he always has a foot on the ground at all times. Yeah, well, well, Antiquampa Boo Boo there is he's a super freak. So, I mean, yeah, he shouldn't right. be giving tutorial videos to anybody. Exactly. He's giving tutorial videos to guys that are like Euro stepping and then tripping and, and, and losing a couple teeth in the key because they just hit the face on the ground. Like, dude, nobody's doing that's, the kind of Euro steps he's doing, dude. That's coming from a guy who step. tried to Euro step. That's coming from a guy who tried to Euro step in a pickup basketball game this summer and blew out his ankle. Bush blew out his ankle trying to Euro step this summer. I mean, black and blue like your shirt, him. Like rolled it, bop, bop. I mean, I mean, like, I like still thought, suffer said, from get ankle. down. They thought it was gunshots. His ankle popped so loud. Yeah. Yeah. I had to get carried off by Deaver and Jimbo. They carried me off. They, they laid me in bed. They, they put some flowers in my hands. They, they shut my eyes like so. And <laughs> did you win? And I, I went to rest that night. Did you win? Yeah, we won. Yeah, we won. He didn't Bush. see it. No, Bush, did your team win? No, no, he was on my team. I so lost Bush. It was, it actually was. was up it was an upgrade for my team when Bush yeah. went down. So Bush got carried off. Oh, get out of here. Bush, Bush got, got carried, carried off. off. We were losing. 
he was playing point guard. We were losing, obviously. He gets hurt, leaves. Jimbo takes over as point guard. We win. So you all played harder for Bush. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, we trimmed, that's we, we, like, trimmed, we trimmed the fat. We trimmed the fat from our team, and we were able to mesh better when we got, we lost the uh, the squeaky wheel. I think matter of fact, it wasn't even it wasn't even five v five. It was a game of knockout, and none of us were on the same team. So <laughs> that's that's actually that's actually the true story. Of and the happened. truth is, we didn't we didn't win. We lost to a bunch of fourteen year olds. None of us won a game of knockout. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn. So, yeah, and I've been telling people that, that I've got a year old kick my ass. That's what I've been telling people. Right. And with that, we're going to throw it to our interview with Keith Jones. All right, we'd now like to welcome on our biggest guest to date. Been super excited for this one. Former NHLer with the Capitals, Avalanche, and our Philadelphia Flyers. Current NBC Sports color commentator, a Western Michigan Bronco, and author, Keith Jones. Jonesy, welcome to the Free Parking Podcast. So first off, yeah, appreciate that. First off, can we call you Jonesy? I feel like you're a part of the family because you're on my TV every single night, it seems like. I would be uncomfortable if you called me Keith. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll stick we'll stick with Jonesy. Other than uh, other than you being on the TV every single night here uh, at my house, whether you're Flyers broadcast or the national broadcast, you and I have another little connection. And I don't know if you remember specifically, but your your uh, your lawn in the spring of 2013. You remember anything special about that? It was phenomenal, and it's because I, I actually landscaped your house back in high school. <laughs> it was looking good that year. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was that was the one that was on that was on the list. Uh, it kind of broke up the normal uh, the normal high, sc- high school landscaping job. So that, w- that was a fun one for sure. You had the uh, you had the pool house in the back. You got some memorabilia hanging up, right? What do you have? What do you have back there? I've got a Gretzky game worn jersey. Okay. That, I didn't know that. That's the main one right there. What uh what team what team is it? LA Kings. Oh, very cool. Very cool. That that they have to bring that sweater back. They're wearing it a couple a couple games this year, right? They are. Yeah, and they should bring it back. It's a great looking sweater and I remember the first time I had the chance to play against him and he was playing for the Kings at that time, of course it was in ninety two. Probably, probably cool to find out that that wasn't the norm, though, right? He was obviously head and above everybody else. That was open your eyes one game, and then you know you were able to settle into it right after after playing against him.
become friends with him um, after you know, playing against them, having mutual friends, like Rick Hawkins that played with him. It's always a, uh, a big thrill to the opportunity to you know, chat hockey with him. He's still a gigantic hockey fan. Obviously, he's uh he's quite the golfer. Is he? He's a golfer too, right? He actually played. So I was telling you before, the day job is running these ladies golf tournaments. He played in our pro am actually uh, out in L.A. We have an event, um, and that was that was cool to have him out there on on the course. So uh, you say you're heading to the airport right now. You're you're heading down for this Flyers road trip. We got uh, Florida on Tuesday and, and Carolina later in the week, right? Okay. Unbelie- unbelievable schedule you have. Okay. Yep. Yeah, we're truly uh, we're truly lucky as Flyers fans. We have an awesome we have an awesome crew with with Jim Jackson and then you guys you know in the booth as well. I think we're we're probably one some of the luckiest fans in the league, right? Getting to listen to you guys night in and night out. Yeah, it's definitely noticeable. It's de- I mean, at least you know from a from a Flyers fan perspective, I'm sure the rest of the league fans see it as well. It's definitely noticeable when you have you know from every every segment of the game, whether it's it's you guys pregame, it's it's uh, it's it's Boosh there uh, in between the boards. Um, I was actually going to ask you about the the NBC crew. How, it seems like you guys have the best time up there with with Liam and Jr. and and Millberry. Is is that uh, is that awesome uh, behind the camera just as just as much as we see it on TV? Yeah, we, we go out of our way to make sure that we're good team players and 
I think those are some of the values that we took with us from our playing days where we could kind of be a good teammate again, share the microphone and listen to other people's opinions and, you know, appreciate their opinions, not necessarily agree with them, but have some good, honest banter back and forth without disrespecting the person that you're working with. And I think that's why it's uh, a likable show. I know it's a fun show to work at for those reasons. So, Jonesy, Justin Williams here. I uh, share a uh, share the name of potentially. Were you were you on the ice when Justin Williams was there? Any chance? Justin arrived as an eighteen-year-old, yeah. and I was on my last leg. Uh, I think we eight games together, and by the eighth game, I knew I was done. There you go. Yeah. So I, uh, I I share a name there. I, I thought uh, I, a lot of people say that to me. They're like, "Ah, oh, you, you related to the guy?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm related to him." They gave me the same name as him. Like, <laughs> <he's> like. Yeah, do you think what uh, what what's his future looking like? Do you have any insight there? I know he's taking taking the year off. Is he going to come back in general? I have no idea. My hope he does. Last year they still had a lot. Yeah. Of yep. Really you know, took that Carolina Hurricanes team and gave them an identity, doing the storm surge and style of play where they were winning games, and once again came up clutch in the playoffs, getting the through the Washington Capitals, sweeping the New York Islanders, which just previously swept the New York Islanders, or at the, the Penguins, sorry. So, yeah, I was surprised that he had called it quits uh, during the summer, and I'm hoping that he comes back for one more kick at the camp. Yeah, likewise. I hope they. Uh, I was hoping they kept that momentum. I mean, it's it's tough to have another good team in the Metro, but seeing uh, seeing what the Canes did last year kind of gives every team a little bit of hope that uh, they can catch fire and, and make a run. Yeah, it's not always about the big names. No, it's interesting. It's, it is about the blue line, and Ron Francis built a real nice blue line there before the new ownership came in and let him go. But they've also done a really good job. Don Waddell, the new GM, has done a nice job of kind of filling in some of those holes that Ron was not able to get filled before he left. Guys like Nino Niederreiter and, of course, Williams returning there for a brief stint. They had a whole bunch of players that they kind of added in the round, including drafting Sveshnikov. And they've got to put together a nice-looking team that plays the same way every night, much like the New York Islanders, and by committee, they sports you into a game that you may not want to play. It's proven to be a very successful uh, formula for teams like Carolina and like the New York Islanders that continue to win hockey games. So I've, I've had this burning question here for a while watching you guys every night. And, uh, you know, we do a podcast here. So we our guys can go in and edit when we slip up. and Or, you know, if we have something that we don't want in the podcast, they can take it out. But you guys do your live show. So what's your worst slip up you've ever had on camera to date? Anything that you were like, oh, boy, I can't believe I just said that live. Anything you got in the in the uh, repertoire there? You're, you're trying to think. 
that I, I really have been a business in that regard. Um, wow. I've worked with, you know, JR a lot. He's had a few moments where he's, uh, you know, had the old brain card on there, but he has uh, such a great sense of humor that we kind of laughing about it. Right. <laughs> and, I can tell you that it's always, um, you know, consider not really when you're on the air if you're talking, but you do think about it when you're away from the mic and then when you are kind of looking at where you're post-playing career is at, it just cuts with that you don't have that one thing that, that comes out the wrong way and you're looking for an employment or you become <laughs> honest. <laughs> well, the best advice I can give anybody is getting to the world of sports. It's, it's changing and it's a much less tolerant uh, society of states anymore. So you got to be careful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know, I know nowadays it's a different style of hockey. You know, it's a lot faster, a lot more skill, less fighting. But when you played, it was a different game. So, you know, one, I wish I got to see uh, more of that kind of hockey. But I guess I had the question here, did you ever get into a fight with an NHL guy that you immediately regretted doing so? Well, I had 28 fights and I regret everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I never felt like I was going to win any fight, although I wasn't able to in a couple of victories, mostly ties, and one time I just got literally beat to a pulp by a guy named Richard Pedon that used to play for the New York Islanders. Oh. For a visor, and uh, my first year, I I thought that was a uh, symbol of a guy that wasn't tough. Right, and right. Apparently, he had had an eye injury that uh, forced him to wear that visor, and announced to me he was a lefty. Oh. And I finished that fight, I was pretty unsure of, number one, where my helmet was, and number two, <laughs> where my helmet was. So, <laughs> I was lucky to survive that fight, to be honest with you. He threw a couple of bombs at me. I'm not sure how I got some of it, but you can always YouTube it and have some fun watching me all get still. No, we we'll, we'll save that one. We'll we'll save that. We won't have to YouTube that one. Uh, most of the out of the twenty you had, I mean, were, were most of them um, just spur of the moment type things, or were you were you a jawler? Did you have any uh, any chirps out there? Were you had some rivalries with guys that you you wanted to see, um, you know, the next night, or was it mostly spur of the moment, defending the teammate type stuff? Yeah, I never thought I was tough enough to hold a grudge and want to beat somebody else up because I was always at risk to get punched out. It was never about hatred for me. It was usually about changing the momentum in the game. Right. To do something that either got my team going or got me going. And that was one of the great things in the era that I played in. If you didn't have your good stuff, you could find a way to force it out of yourself with a little fear, uh, with a little bit of, uh, you know, I got to get going or I'm going to get beat up, get the blood pumping. And, and it was a side benefit to kind of instigating altercations that I either had to finish or my teammates finished for me. And if you finished before you, you felt accountable and you wanted to go out there and make sure you did your part to help the team win. So there was a little bit of uh, science behind the madness that might have uh, appeared chaotic to people watching, but at the same time, there there was a plan. It didn't always work out well, but there was a plan. 
That's great. It's a totally different kind of style of hockey nowadays. But, you know, getting away from playing a little bit, um, you know, as a bunch of dedicated Flyers guys here, um, was there any point in time where you truly fell in love with the city of Philadelphia and why the area? Like, why, why did you just choose to stick around? I love the way the fans reacted to any of my antics when I played, uh, whether it was stirring the pot, a uh, big smile after a goal, fighting someone or getting beat up. The fact that they appreciated players that played a great determination and, and the willingness to do whatever it took for their team to win uh, was that kind of a perfect for me, and I was really grateful that I had a chance to play in front of them. I regretfully was not 100% when I arrived here because of multiple knee surgery, but still managed to have a couple of good seasons playing with Lindros and McClare, and very thankful that I ended up in Philadelphia. Not sure I'd be doing all the things I'm doing if I didn't end my career as a flyer and then get opportunities in broadcasting after that. Uh, the time came pretty abruptly when I eventually just had to call the switch with a couple of years off the contract. Mm. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's a pretty good story. I mean, I feel like the, the fans of Philadelphia really do embody the characteristics of the Philadelphia Flyers and vice versa as well. Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's, he's a new guy in town, but... I, I mean, he's a new guy in town, but I think uh, the the big orange guy. What's your relationship with Gritty like? I mean, this guy's you know kind of coming in and stealing the show from everybody. So, like, what do you got on him? He's a great athlete. <laughs> the guy can do a lot of different stuff, and uh, I think he's going to do a whole lot to help the Flyers in the community, which is really the most important thing. I mean, he's got that uh, mean demeanor. And he walks around with and has a snarl to him, but deep down he's got a big heart. And the majority of his work is going to be getting out there in the community and helping bring a smile to some kids' faces, which is, you know, really what the Philly Fanatic has done for decades. And now Gritty, in his own unique way, has an opportunity to, you know, get out there and keep the Flyers brand alive, make sure while we're trying to get this thing back together, that he is uh, providing a nice distraction for the fans, and when the Flyers hit full stride, that it should come together. Yeah, he's done a great. He's done a great job putting, uh, like you said, putting smile on kids' faces so far, and kind of like how you were talking about, you know, the city and and how the city embraces players that you know um, are determined to put the work in. And I, I think they hit the nail on the head with uh, with the mascot being uh, embodying that same that same type of character. Yeah, it's remarkable. Then when you first saw him, it was like, oh my God, what's this? And uh, I was at the medical meetings that day, and that was the reaction kind of lead wide. Yeah. People there, and then within a day and a half, you can tell that he had some legs. And then this, uh, this gritty thing was going to take off. And the Flyers have done a great job at marketing him, uh, getting him out there, and he's done a great job at everything that he's been able to do on you know, national talk shows and break shows and all the rest of it. He's just done a super job of, uh, you know, getting out there. It's irrelevant right now, and it's not easy to get people to pay attention. There's so many different things to follow at the same time. He's kind of 
been a guy that's got a lot of people gravitating towards. Yeah, he's become become you know he's taken the Flyers to even more of an international brand than uh, than they really ever were. So I know we talked a lot about um, you know we talked about the NBC uh, and the the commentating stuff. We talked about the playing career a little bit, but I want to go back towards the beginning. Um, I actually read your book uh, a little while ago, um, years ago actually, but um, put your head down and skate. Um, if anybody hasn't listened to it or read the book yet, uh, I definitely recommend it, especially if you're um, a hockey or, or a Flyers fan. The one story that uh, that stuck out to me, or at least kind of, you know, your path was the um, I, th- I think you said that uh, you spent your summers mowing lawns and eating pizza. Was that was that the antidote from the story? When did you? That's, that's true. That's true. I've had a landscaper like yourself. I had uh, I mowed the, the um the, all of the schools in Brant County, which is obviously in Brantford where I grew up, mm-hmm. and I had a right lawnmower that I would drive from park to park, from schoolyard to schoolyard, all through the city. And as you can tell by, from that story, Brantford wasn't a very busy place. <laughs> right, right. And so I was, uh, you know, I, I was not much into health food, I can guarantee you that. And I look back on that and kind of shake my head in amazement based upon everything that uh, most players were doing then and all are doing now. That's, that's you know, making sure they're in the best condition and that they're putting nothing but great stuff into their bodies to make sure they can perform at a high level. Somehow I managed to pull it off. I eventually figured it out and I was not uh, left by the wayside, which I was asking for, and not uh, doing everything I could to be the best player that I could be. They uh, they found you, yeah. That's sort of I don't know, it was just it was really relatable with uh, with with our crew, like you said, you know, me growing up being a, being a landscaper myself. When did you um? At what point did you realize that that the, the league was in your future? Was there ever like a shining moment before you know, like the Western Michigan days or? What um, was there a time where you're like, okay, maybe I should start, um, maybe I should start, you know, preparing for for a future in the NHL? I'd like to tell you it happened when I was drafted by the Washington Capitals. <laughs> I was playing senior B when the Capitals drafted me, and uh, I had four years of college lined up after the draft. Gotcha. Real late sign to uh, my letter of intent to go to West Michigan. Gotcha. And by the time I made it to Washington, after four really good years of college hockey, I still wasn't, you know, fully committed to everything I possibly could. And I just kind of winged it. And I look back at it, it's uh, not the way you want to do it. I would never advise anybody else, you know, try to do it that way. But for whatever reason, I was a, a real flip kick and thought I had everything figured out. <laughs> became very fortunate to be able to pull that off and somehow, you know, after a year and a half, I started to figure it out. So I had many conversations with the general manager in Washington, which was David Coyle, about, you know, staying in Washington during the summer and getting a better shape and all these battles back and forth. And then I was in great shape even though in reality I was not. So uh, lessons learned that I eventually figured it out. It all uh, it all worked out in the end. That's that's for sure. Um, so keep uh, j- sorry, Jonesy. We don't want to take too much of your time here. 
Um, but uh, lasting thoughts, we haven't talked too much about the league. If, if people want to see that, they can they can check you out pretty much every night or, or the NBC crew um, on TV. But give us give us your lasting thoughts here on the Flyers moving forward. Big news this morning, calling up Morgan Frost. Um, we're seeing a really different team here than we have in the past. You know, I don't know five, six, seven years. Um, I'm loving the speed that they're showing and uh, a lot of good young talent. What do you see here uh, after uh, the first two months of the season? Yeah, they're catching up to the league with uh, the style of yep. play that they have. I, I hear that they're a quicker team. I hear that they're a more organized team. Uh, I think Elaine Bingo's got a real uh, finger on the pulse of where he wants this team to go. They're not there yet, but they must improve. I think they've got a couple of veteran additions that are going to help them uh, in the future and have already helped them, especially in the case of Matt Diskin, who's doing a real good job yeah. helping young defensemen. Yep. I think Hades is going to get back to the seven days we saw for the first five or six games for whatever reason. He hit a wall here and it's been really stressing, but still does a lot of valuable things, including building penalties and face offs. Possessing the puck a lot. He's a big body that can force the opposition to try to work hard to steal it from him. So I do believe that the new additions help, but the young legs of Therabine and Malfrock, uh, Trowinski was up for his spell, Bill Myers yep. back in. There's a whole group of guys that are going to do wonders for the, you know, the near future and obviously down the road future as well. They've got a lot of potential. Awesome. Yeah, hopefully he's uh hopefully he's not up here for just a just a pit stop. Hopefully he's here for the for for the run of it. And and kind of like we talked about earlier with the Hurricanes, it's just it's nice to see um, that there's a chance for teams. You know, teams like the Flyers. You know, I wouldn't call them a bubble team, but not a juggernaut yet in uh in the league. There's still um there's still hope that they can catch fire and kind of figure it all out and make a run here um in uh, in 2019-20. And it's been proven recently that it's not always about the big names and the you know the top guys carrying the load. It's about getting it done as a team. They both proved it last year. Our Dallas is proving it this year. It's not all Megan and Ben that's helping Dallas win games. It's the support of the past. The Flyers are at that point now, and Elaine Bino's not worried about you know pissing anybody off by taking ice time away. So it's, a, it's an interesting watch right now, to say the least. But Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jonesy, uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll definitely be watching our Flyers and, uh, and definitely you and the crew, um, whether it's on the national NBC sports broadcast or, uh, or here locally with, uh, with the guys. But again, thank you so much for coming on, taking the time out of your day to, uh, to talk with us. And uh, huge fans, we'll, uh, we'll definitely keep in touch. Thanks a lot, Jonesy. I appreciate it, Jonesy. Thank you. Good luck, Appreciate it. Safe travels, all right? Bye. Jeez, what a great interview that was, man. That is a class act. 
individual if I've ever seen one, man. He's a great guy. Um, everything he said is just is so relatable, his backstory. And, uh, you know, it was great, great talking with him. Yeah, man, he, um, it's interesting, you know, getting into these interviews deeper and deeper and just to talk to somebody who does it every single day on air, on camera, on a microphone and being able to ask him questions and them just roll right off his tongue. The answers, you know what I mean? Him being able to go to anecdotes from his entire life, whether it's, you know, young, you know, young college, junior hockey to, uh, you know, just yesterday in the booth with, uh, you know, Mike Milbury and the guys, um, to be able to, you know, on a dime, just spitfire, talk about Wayne Gretzky and uh, some of the other awesome stories he had. So uh, a total treat and uh, just an absolute pleasure to have him on. Hope to uh, hope to talk to him again soon, man. That was uh, that was a, a dream for me to interview somebody like that. So that was uh, that was good stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. So, Deez, without a beer review segment this week, without a SIDS this week, let's uh, just talk about our upcoming trip that we have coming next week. In approximately seven days, about this time, we'll be leaving Epcot in Disney World after we had just drank around the world, my friend. So I wanted to leave it a surprise. I wanted we were going to leave it a surprise, but you couldn't you couldn't contain it. Absolutely not. It. We have a special announcement coming we're going to announce it next week, but it will entail a lot of the FPP boys gathering in sunny Tampa, Florida. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Big trust. Woo woo. Deaver, Jimbo, Hammonds, Bush, Bryce, Funk, all in the Sunshine State. And we have some news and some content for you. So stay tuned on the free parking social accounts. As well as next week's podcast, which will be coming live from some beach somewhere around the five o'clock hour with a beer in hand, five 85 degree weather, somewhere. just five o'clock somewhere. And then yeah. the free parking drops. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. next week, awesome stuff coming. I want to keep it as much a surprise as possible. Let's unveil it all next week. Keep people on their edge of seats. Let's just say the corporate card uh, has a negative balance because of it. So, um, listeners, thank you so much for listening to episode 23, Keith Jones, baby. We got the big guy on the uh, on the horn here. So I was, it was phenomenal to have him on. Deves, Ham, great talking with you, boys. Yeah, man, as always, uh, great chatting. Uh, tired one here tonight. Fought through it. Still some great content. And... Uh, we have some other guests developing. There's some other good guests coming up in the future. So uh, Keith Jones is not the end. It's just the beginning. Stay tuned. Like are I said, you falling, are you falling asleep right now? Are you? Are your eyes closed? Me? Your eyes are closed. Me? All right, cut it. He's asleep. Nate, just cut it. He's uh, he's dead asleep. Did you hear he's, me talking? He's not even answering. We can't even hear him. You can hear me, right? No, can't hear you.